Yeah, uh, let me say real quick before I begin into today's message, uh, there have been a slight change on the itinerary of our trip to Africa, which many people are asking me, when are we going? So October the 14th, that is a Friday, it's uh, a couple of weeks away, on that Friday we are flying out, we're going to be flying through um, Chicago and Brussels, Belgium, and then on down to um, Ghana in West Africa, we were, we were um, doing two pastors' conferences, one in Ghana and one in Sierra Leone. But um, our contacts in Sierra Leone, especially the main pastor who puts the conference together, and several others have contracted malaria. And um, they're a little reluctant, even though we're, ta- we're going to be taking malaria pills they're a little reluctant to send us in, especially that some disorganization with the conference because the people that are organizing it are in the hospital. And so um, we are extending our stay in Ghana, West Africa, which, you know, we believe that God knows and God works all things out well. Um, we've never been to Ghana, uh, West Africa, with this particular ministry, glo- um, Global Equip. And so this is affording us the opportunity to stay um, a little longer in Ghana than we had intended, um, which is going to be really great because we're actually going to start putting together another conference that Global Equip is going to go back in December. Um, now I won't be on that trip, but we're going to help lay the groundwork for a second trip there. Uh, the neat thing about the conference is, is I know a lot of times when we do overseas work, you think about crusades, you think about going into ball stadiums or whatever, getting as many unsaved people there as you can, and then count the numbers on how many people gave their heart to Christ. And I, and I love that. I love doing that. I've been a part of those crusades for many years. Um, the neat thing about this particular trip, um, going now to Ghana, and then into we're, we're also going to spend a couple of days in Belgium. But the neat thing about this trip is, is that we are, we are equipping pastors. There, it's not like the crusade-type deal where we're going to be preaching to to unsaved, um, our entire time is going to be spent taking um, from the resource that God has given us um, in education uh, and imparting to the pastors there in, in Ghana and, and just equipping them to, um, to be able to study the Word better. Um, I have a, uh, a couple of sessions that I'm doing. I have um, one of my sessions is I'm going to be teaching them about how to interpret and how to read the parables um, of Jesus. I've spent an hour and a half just talking about um, the parables. And then I'm also doing a, um, a session on proper biblical interpretation and how do you read the Bible and, and mine from the Bible the truths that are in the Word of God while while maintaining um, order in the Word of God and rightly dividing it. These are the type of things that we're doing. So we're not, they're, they're, they're not like um, outreach. They're, they're literally um, giving these pastors the opportunity to learn some of the things that we've learned through our schooling, um, especially at Oral Roberts University uh, through the Masters of Divinity program and then now for me, um, the doctoral program. And so equipping pastors. The, the cool thing about that is you never know how many people are going to be impacted by that. Because, I mean, if you can gather 150, 200, 300 pastors together, well, they all represent congregations of people that are going to be impacted. It really is kind of living out that song, when I get to heaven, somebody says that you had a part to play in that. 
you had a part to play in me being here. And I think that's what the kingdom of God is all about. I mean, I have stressed um, in this particular series that we, we can change the world from here. I mean, and this is one way uh, we do that, is that, is that we pool the resources in our life. And by pooling them together, not just me by myself or, or not just you by yourself, but, but coming together as the church and, and having a specific aim that, that these are the things that we are aiming to do for the kingdom of God and then recognizing within that aim that if we give of our time and if we give of our talent and then ultimately if we give of our treasure, that if we give of these things from our life that we have this tremendous opportunity to do something with others that we could not do on our own. On our own. And I think that that's the importance of that, that aim. That, that usually if you really um, get down to uh, where the rubber meets the road, as we used to say in the piney woods of East Texas, if you get right down to it, what we aim at is extremely important. And then together, if we have that aim, Jesus, Jesus said it like this. He said, if two or three of you will gather together in my name, I'm going to be in the middle of everything you do. Huh. But Jesus promised that he would engage with us, not just in our individuality, but that Jesus would engage with us in our community. That we come together. That's this community, common unity. That, that, we, that we have a common purpose that we strive to do and in doing that together we're able to accomplish things that we could not accomplish on our own and even Jesus said if you'll come together and agree like this I will show up I will be right in the middle of everything you do and I think that that is extremely important especially in a church in a church setting that 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 Jesus would would speak such a word to us that, you know, what are the things that we focus on? I see, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that as a church, um, we have a, a very well-oiled, functioning children's ministry. And we've put a, a tremendous amount of effort into that. And we've put a tremendous amount of finances into that. I mean, a lot of churches, they, they probably don't worry uh, as much about that. But for us, we decided that as a church, and I know a lot of that comes from me, lead pastor, been here all these years, and I've just had this focus that, you know, we're going to go after children and we're going to go after young people, even though they're a black hole where you throw money in. And, and you don't, you don't, you know, you don't, you know, I was thinking about our youth ministry Wednesday night, um, uh, we have a problem. I walked in before youth uh, service Wednesday night. We have our pray first session here, and we're praying over that service, and we're praying over this service, and we're praying over those prayer cards. And on the bottom of your connection card, there's a, there's a prayer card that you can fill out, and we're going to pray over those pray, prayer cards this Wednesday night here in our pray first session for the adults. But our young people, I walk out there, and I, Pastor... JP's got all these chairs lined up. I said, how many chairs you got out? He said, 110. He said, we only have 12 left over there. I said, okay. Well, I came in after service. I said, how'd the chair issue go? He said, we put all, all of them out. We, we got the, 
the 12 other chairs, that's 122, and we still had 25 young people sitting on the floor. Somebody else looked at me and said, Pastor, our youth ministry is outgrowing our building. I'm like, that's a problem. That's a good problem, but... I mean, you think about that for a second. I look across this, this, these rows here, all these young people, they kind of occupy this space right up through here. And, and um, there's a reason why they're here, because we, we have this aim. We've had this focus all these years. I mean, we, we've, tried to, we've tried to do everything we can do to get together and band together and, 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 and try to encourage this particular ministry to children and young people, because we feel like, and I feel like deeply from my heart, that you save them, you save a lifetime and a soul. You impact their world and you impact their life, but we do that together. See, there's no way that I can do that on my own. There's no way that any one of us could do that on our own. It's this consolidated effort of people that have this particular aim that, that, that this is where we are going to invest our life. This is where we are going to invest our talent. This is where we are going to invest our finances. We're going to invest it in ministry that really does make a difference in the world. Matter of fact, I believe that Jesus Christ working through the local church is the most strategic answer to everything happening in our world today. Uh, that's the key line for the whole series. You know, I, I, I look at the local church, and the local church... Is, is, is impacting neighborhoods and it's impacting towns and rural communities and cities. They are touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ and his life-changing power. And it even goes out from there through parachurch ministries where we, where we pull ourselves together and say, you know what, we're going to go to Africa as a church. On this particular trip, there's two of us from this church going. Myself and Dr. Tim Eckblad, who comes to First Church, uh, are, the, are, are going on this particular trip. That our church has the opportunity that Triumph is going to stand on the soil of Africa in less than two weeks. You have that opportunity. See, you go because we go because that's what we're doing. We're pooling our resources together and we're saying, you know what, this is how we're, gonna, this is how we're going to change the world from here how we're going to change the world from here. Matter of fact, I mean, I think it's a, it's a powerful idea that, that Jesus spoke to the disciples in Matthew 28, and he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One more time, Jesus said, if you will link with my mission, and if you will get together as the church, and if you will do what I have called you to do, I'm going to show up every time you show up. We'll be a part of what you're doing. So when I think about our church, I think about how that we are sowing in these areas. I think primarily, you know, we decided that we wanted to be a church where young families could come and where they felt safe with their children. And so we have continually make, made changes in progress. We spend money every month to be able to check children in and to have name tags and put a tag on a kid and a tag in a parent's hand where we know exactly who's picking what kid up and what the number is and we know exactly what's going on there. We saw the resource of this church in our security team, that, that most of what our security team does on Sunday is guard the hallways to make sure that nobody goes down the hall where, where your kids are that isn't supposed to be there. We, 
I mean, somewhere along the line, we decided we weren't going to lose any kids. Why? Because we want to attract families that have children. And so we lock doors. We lock back doors. We don't allow people to come in certain, certain entrances. You can get out through a crash bar, fire safety, but you can't get back in through that door because we want to make sure those kids are safe. You know, this week the Bergeson brothers um, did a marvelous thing. They, they put a window in this hallway over here so that you can stand at a, at a mirrored window and you can look in and see what's going on in the nurseries. We do that. We do that uh, not because the lead pastor has kids. I don't have kids in the nursery. Thank God. You know, I mean, we're, we're past some of that, right? But there's still this pulsating beat that says, you know what, we as a church are binding together to do this particular ministry. We, we diaper babies. I mean, to us, it's just, it just doesn't feel right to hand a baby back to a parent with a messed up diaper. So we buy diapers. We buy diapers and we diaper babies. Why do we do that? Because it's important to us. It's a value in us that we're going to minister to the best of our ability to these children as a church. And, and we do this because people pull their resources together. That we take our time, we take our talent, we take our treasure, and we kind of get together in all of this whole thing and say we're a part of the church. And we have this particular aim. And ultimately from the babies. To the oldest member of this congregation, we're going we're gonna to see lost people saved and saved people pastored and pastored people trained and trained people sent. We're going we're going to we're gonna change the world from here. Now, once we understand our aim and then we begin to examine the resources that God has placed in our life, that he's given us these things, we then have to start reflecting on how we can best use our resources for kingdom advance. Today, I want to examine one of the most misunderstood resources in the modern church. It is our treasure. And we've talked about our aim, we've talked about our time, we've talked about our talent. And the majority of the world both gets that and can embrace that. But when we talk about our treasure, people start shutting down. It's really sad because God wants to bless both your giving and your receiving when it comes to finances. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 8. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then he ties with this idea of that, that God has moved in your heart and as a result of God touching your heart concerning uh, uh, participating and engaging in this area of the resources of your life, because of that, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
that somehow or another God would just start blessing your life in such a way that you will find a way to continue abounding in this good work of sowing from your time, sowing from your talent, and sowing from your treasure. That God blesses those areas of our lives. There is an amazing thing that happens when we understand that our treasure is one of the resources that God has placed in our lives in order for the church to move forward. It's very important to notice that when we all give together from the resource of our treasure, we are able to finance ministry both here and around the world. We can change the world from here, but it takes finances. I mean, here's, here's the deal. Now, I don't want to... say anything disparaging because this is being recorded. Now, but years ago, years ago, by we, I, I assisted my father-in-law, and it was more of a, it was a Pentecostal church, and, and, um, and, um, and we had tape ministry. None of you kids don't know nothing about that, but we had tape ministry back then. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a cassette tape. You ever heard of one of those? You know, you put it in a thing called a tape recorder. They were really great, but um, not. <laughs> I didn't you. But but, uh, but 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 my father-in-law, he he would get in the middle of a sermon, and 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 then he felt like he'd need to spank people. And when we when we get to the spanking time, he'd go, turn the tape off. And then he would just rip and roar. And then he would go, you can turn the tape back on. So if you bought the tape, you didn't get any of that. You know what I'm saying? Turn the digital recorder. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to not turn the digital recording off when I'm going to say, well, listen, I understand in the modern church that this area of finances has been abused by some people. I mean, it would be nice if you guys want to buy me an $87 million airplane to go to Africa on, that go ahead. But for the ministry to demand that, okay? I mean, it's not comfortable flying coach. You know? I mean, I get on that airplane and I walk past first class and think, somebody in my church needs to win the lottery. Stop the tape. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you walk back there and you get in your coach seat and know you're about to be here for a while. And it only leans back like this. You know what I'm saying? This is all you get. This is it. Who isn't that comfortable? You know? And, you know, I mean, especially going to the Philippines. If, when you go to the Philippines, this trip actually ain't as bad, you know? Uh, th- this trip, is, we only got about... We only got about 24 hours in airports and airplanes. But, you know, you go to the Philippines, this is close to 50. And, I mean, one flight alone is 15 hours, and you're on the airplane, you're like, it's like, let me try to get some sleep. I mean, if you've ever done it, you ought to try it sometime. It's wonderful. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to be able to lay down, but you know what I'm saying? But, but yet there's something inside my heart that says, you know what? We can do more ministry with the money, and I can just be uncomfortable for a little while. Boy, it gets got quiet in the room. You know? I mean, there, there's something inside of me that, that says, I understand that, that you can abuse. That's why it's so sticky. That's why it's so difficult for a pastor to stand up and talk about that, that, that there's this thing about the church that, that Jesus didn't build the church in some stratosphere outside of the world. I mean, that'd be nice. Like, upon this rock, I will build my church, and it will be in a sub-dimension. I mean, when Jesus planted the church, he planted the church right in the middle of a world that is totally contingent on a monetary system. This, the whole, everything, everything. Everything revolved around monetary means in the world that Jesus planted the church in. And then you, know, you have some yahoo come along that's going to abuse, and I understand that, that it can be abused. That's why I say that in reality, the local church is the safest place on the place of the planet to sow your time, talent, and treasure. Because, hey, just walk down the hallway and see the window. Just look at the kids coming out of the nursery and recognize that they have clean diapers. Look at 150-some-odd young people in the gym Wednesday night, and God knows we take an offering up out there. It don't pay for it. Then you can look around in the local church and say, hey, the air conditioners are running today. I had a part to play in that. used to love the stories of Pastor Billy Joe Doherty, really a hero of the faith for me, a man that was very, very kind to me as a local pastor. Sowed a lot of time and effort into encouraging me when I really needed encouragement. He didn't have to do that. I mean, he pastored a mega church here in town, and I was pastoring what looked like a church taking a nosedive. But he'd look at me every time he saw me and say, I pray for your church every week. I drive by it every week, and I pray for God to bless you. And then he ultimately blessed us with people and with things and with information. And then there was stuff that he poured into our lives. But I'll never forget back, back in the 90s when he was taking all those trips to Russia. Like he was going like every six weeks in the late 80s and 90s. He was going like every six weeks. They were taking a, taking a group over to the, the, the then collapsing Soviet Union. They had got an open door to go in there. And he's taking all these trips, all these trips. Like every six weeks he's going back and forth. They would leave on Monday and be back by Friday leave on money back because he wouldn't miss a Sunday service. And so he went back Monday. I, and he did all of that from coach. From coach. Did it for years from coach. Why? Because he had a heart for ministry. Well, praise God. So although there are those instances that make the news where people abuse finances, there are so many more instances where they haven't been abused. There's so many other instances where, where it's just the collection of people. It's you and me and us getting together and saying, let's go to Africa. Let's buy diapers for children. Let's open our gym on Wednesday nights and let's put the love of God in the heart of young people. Let's, let, let's get together and buy gas for vans because there's a ton of kids that can't get here unless we go pick them up. Let's, let's, let's do something together. Let's pool our resources together and change the world from here. 
Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and there was an area called Macedonia. Macedonia had been going through, and it's historically proven that Macedonia had been going through a very uh, depressed economic time. They were in an economic downturn or a depression. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, on the other hand, was, was fairly wealthy. If you read the history of the church, you see all of that, that the Corinthian church didn't go through this. The Corinth and the, the, it was a, Corinth was a, a central location of the trade routes, and Corinth was very, and, and for that time period, it was a very wealthy city and a very wealthy time. So it didn't face the same type of, of economic downturn that was being faced among the Macedonian believers. And, and Paul's writing to that Corinthian church. He's writing to them, and he's talking about the Macedonian churches. And listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians 8.1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty Welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and yet, and even beyond their ability. That these people so got it that God even enabled them to give more than they could actually give because they were so filled with this idea of mission that, man, we can, we can band together and we can make something happen. We can change the world from Macedonia. They gave even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the, listen to this, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. These people who were experiencing extreme poverty were overjoyed at the idea that they had the opportunity to share in the ministry of giving. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. He's saying they not, only, they not only gave money to the church, but they also sowed money into my ministry, Paul is saying. So here it is. They gave to the local church and through the local church they gave to a parachurch ministry that was going around the world. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. He's saying we're urging Titus to encourage you guys. Let this grace of giving become a part of who you are. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the love we have kindled in you, listen, see also, see that, you also excel in this grace of giving. Then he says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. He's looking at the Corinthian church saying, I want to see how willing you are to engage in giving 
by having you look at what the Macedonian churches are doing in a time of severe poverty. Why? Because he goes on to say that God loves a cheerful giver. He goes on to say that God will bless you abundantly. He goes on to say that that you're going to have everything you need at all times so that you can excel in every good work. He goes on to tell them that the grace of giving is going to produce a blessing in your life that goes beyond even what you can imagine. There is something remarkable that happens when we each make a commitment to use the resource of treasure, our finances and our lives, to resource the ministry of the church just as with our aim, just as with our talent, just as with our time. We give from our treasure and as a part of that giving together, that corporate thing, we can change the world from here. Something big happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts in this area. At whatever level He is prompting us in the moment. And I think this is important. I believe that there are levels or there are steps in giving. And it's a place that we should all grow in. We don't all start at the same point, but I believe that we all should start somewhere. And maybe that's really what I'm trying to do for some of us in the room today. Is to help you just take one step. More. See, to me, there are at least four levels. There may be more, but there's four I'm bringing out today. Uh, some have found the blessing and the grace to be what I would call an above tithe giver. Tithe means 10%. I believe this is where the Macedonia church found themselves. They found themselves in this marvelous place where they were giving abundantly out of their resources. And I, I'm thankful, I'm not saying this to brag, but I think that there's a higher... There's a higher price tag if you're going to stand on this pulpit. If you're going to stand as the leader of this church, I think I have to carry the higher price tag. And my wife and I years ago learned the value of being an above tithe giver. I don't, I don't say that braggadociously. I'm saying that we just felt the grace of God to touch us in our hearts. And when we were in a denomination, we had to send a portion of our tithe to the denomination. And then there were other ministries that we sent in. But let me tell you how the blessing of God works and how it still meets out in our life. I don't know what it was, but it's just somewhere in the course of all of that, Raylene and I, we just made a decision that we were going to send the above portion. We were going to send 50% of our tithe and the offering portion, the above tithe portion. We're just going to send that to my brother who pastored a little bitty church in the town of Columbus, Texas. And they were struggling and they had, they had put a building up, but it wasn't complete. And they were having church in this little building that didn't have air, that, that didn't have tile in the floors, didn't have ceiling tiles in the ceiling, just roughed in electric. And they were, this a small enough town that the fire marshal didn't say anything to them. And, and they were having church in this thing. And my wife and I, just for a, a, several, several years, we, we did this where we just decided we were the number one givers in my brother's church and we never went there. We were the number one givers in his church. And through the years, it has been reminded to us. So we just sat in this church just a few months ago. My, my, my dad passed away, and we, we met at the church, and we was looking around and burning all the time. He'll, he'll lean over sometimes. He'll say, you know, you guys bought that ceiling tile. 
You know, you guys bought the tile we put on this floor. That carpet in there, that's the, y'all bought that, that carpet. You know, you know, you guys put, you finished the air conditioning in this building for us. Those lights in that foyer, you, got, you guys hung those lights. But we weren't even there. We were in California most of the time, 2,500 miles away. But yet in our lives, we still have the blessing of knowing that today at that church, people heard the gospel. <laughs> Sitting in the building, we helped build. And souls are being saved in that church, and we had a part to do with that. We had a part to do that. To even this day, we received the residual blessing of God in our life, knowing that we had a part to play in all that. And see, so that's the grace of God for us in our life. And I feel like as leadership, I feel like, I feel like as high on the rung as, as I can get, I need to be. That's the pastor's church, and I have found the grace and the, and, and the blessing of the Lord in being an above tithe giver. Matter of fact, we announced a while ago that um, we're taking up a special offering for this trip to try to defray the expense of this trip through our missions department here at the church for us to go to Africa. And my dad passed away. And I got my portion of the inheritance. And I brought a $600 check there tied on, on the inheritance. My, that, that's all, my dad, all money my dad had split between five of us. Somebody asked me, say, what are you going to do with that inheritance money? I said, well, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Africa through the church on some of it. So that my dad in the grave can sow a blessing. I said, Pastor, why do you do that? I do that because I believe I have to be a leader in this. I believe it is, it's incumbent upon me as the pastor of this church to let you know that I practice what I preach. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I'm not with you there, man. I don't have the grace in my life to do that yet. Well, others have found the blessing and the grace to be what we call a tithe giver. That's a 10% giver. That's a 10% of everything that comes in, they write a check to say that I'm going to give that to the church. They understand that biblical principle of first fruits. And I think that's an important place. And that could be a great place for someone to start. But somebody today may say, Pastor, I'm not there. Well, others have found the grace like the Corinthian church, I believe the Corinthian church was a percentage giver. I believe the Macedonian church was an above tithe giver. But I believe the, the Corinthian church at this point was a percentage giver. Paul said, just give what God has put in your heart to give. And, and that's just starting somewhere in percentage-wise. It might be 2%. It might be 4%. You say, I'm not at 10%. But I, I believe there are people in this house that God might be calling to that. Say, you know what, just take that first step. and Just look at, at what you can do to further the kingdom of God through the local church, through this resource of giving. But somebody said, man, I can't even do that. I'm not there yet. Well, then be one of those people that find the blessing and the grace to be a giver, to be a giver. Start somewhere, anything, $20 a week, just be a giver and see where God takes that in your life. Because I am convinced as a pastor, I've been pastoring a long time, I'm convinced as a pastor that the church needs above tithe givers, it needs tithe givers, it needs percentage givers, and it just needs a bunch of givers in order to facilitate ministry in the church. You know, it's, it's a proven thing that if you, take, if you take the number of people, not including a youth number on Wednesday night, that's exaggerated. Because we're putting money into youth program, it's not giving money back. So 
You take the, the number of people you have on Wednesday and the number of people you have on Sunday. You add that number that if in these four categories, if it averages out to $20 a person, that your church can facilitate ministry and move on in the future. But did you know that D. Sokolowski, the, the man who holds the paper on our buildings because of our mortgage, did you know that he... he um, there are over 480 churches that he represents and holds the paper on their churches and that, that his numbers show that less than 2% of the people that go to church actually give anything to keep it running. Less than 2%. And I think that's why I think pastors need to stand up in, 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 this, in this day and hour where... We have people that have abused giving. They've abused it, and they've, and they've kind of given it a black eye, and pastors are afraid to teach it. I mean, those of you that go to church here, how often do I ever teach on giving? That's because you're afraid to teach on giving, although it's a very important thing to talk about because you're afraid to be misunderstood. And the reality of our giving and the reality of what is that is that there is a blessing that wants to rest in our life as we look around and say I had a part to play in those kids I had a part to play in those youth I had a part to play in the adults I had a part to play in the fact that we're going to gather in here on Wednesday night and we're going to pray over your prayer request and the lights are going to be on and the air conditioners are going to be running the insurance is going to be paid and you had a part to play in that, that somebody's prayer request could be prayed for. See, that's the way I view it. I look around and say, man, the blessing in my life is to look around and to see this. Why do you guys think I walk out of here before and after church on Wednesday night and walk through the gym? I do that. Do I do that every Wednesday night, Pastor Nikki? Do you young people see me do that? You know why I do that? Because I got a lot of my life invested in what's going on out there. And I just want to walk out there and see the blessing. I just want to walk out there and look at them young people and think, man, I got a part to play in this. Yeah, yeah. You're playing basketball on basketball goals. I bought $10,000. You're playing, you're, 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 you're playing basketball on tile. I bought $7,000. You say, Pastor Bill, I can't believe you're talking like this. All I'm saying is, is I see the blessing every Wednesday night. And I'm so thankful I did that. I wouldn't want that money back. I wouldn't want that money back. Man, I wouldn't take it if they tried to give it to me. I'd say, don't you dare steal my blessing. Because my blessing's the fact, Brother Gary, that I can walk out there and I can see what God's doing. I can walk out there and see young people in circles praying for each other. And I think, I had a part to play in that. I had a part to play in that. I did that. I, he I helped do that. Do y'all see this? That's why I'm a giver. I'm an above tithe giver. But that's why I am. That's why I am. And I want you to pray. You say, what's the end of this sermon today? Well, we're going to take an offering for Africa, and I'm so in the first 600, but, you know. But I tell you what the real, what the real end of this sermon is, so you go home and pray about it and ask God, where are you at? Where are you? Are you a giver? Are you a, are you a percentage giver? Are you a tithe giver? Are you above tithe giver? What's God calling in your life? And if you can hear from him, I don't think he'll, he'll let you down. If you can hear from him, you can walk around with a testimony and say, I had a part to play in this. Look at the church. I'm a part of the church.
And I had a part to play in this. Stand with me today. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, Dave, yeah. I'm just going to just... Pastor JP. I bug you guys. I know when I come out there and walk around, you're thinking, why is he out here again? I'm just out there seeing my blessing. I'm just out there seeing my blessing. You know what I did this morning? I went and stood in that window, John Bergson. I went and stood in that window and just looked inside the nursery. I thought, man, oh man, looky there. Isn't that nice? Ah, I had a part to play in that, a little one. I come up with the idea at least, hallelujah, but I had more of an idea of it than that. God help us. Father, I thank you for your word today. I know it's the truth. I know it's the truth because I've lived it in my own life. I believe today that you're going to help us as a church go to the next level. We're going to be a next level church. We're going to be a next ministry church. We need chairs. Father, you know we were sitting on the edge of this platform in between service today pricing chairs. How much does metal chairs cost? I'm asking you, help us catch the vision of the next level. Help us see what we can do when we pool the resources of time, talent, and treasure. Help us see what we can do. Help us be the church you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen to that. Keep your head bowed. If you're here today, you need a recommitment. You say, I want to recommit my life to the Lord. Or maybe commit my life for the first time. Would you just slip a hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray with me today that I can have a fresh start? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not calling you forward. I'm just going to pray with you. Thank you so much.